We're back. We, uh, we like to do obituaries in our third segment, uh, not infrequently, because we think the passing of certain individuals are, you know, worthy of note. On last week's program, we mentioned uh, the death of the legendary astronaut Wally Shira, but uh, encountered a couple little uh, anecdotes about Shira in the meantime that we thought we needed to share. Said USA Today, known as Jolly Wally, Shira was an inveterate practical joker. Tired of constant requests for urine samples during training, he once obliged with a five-gallon jug of water, iodine, and detergent. He once smuggled a corned beef sandwich aboard his Gemini capsule and later quipped that he had catered the flight. Wally Shiraz's most famous prank occurred on Gemini 6, 10 days before Christmas in 1965. He and co-pilot Tom Stafford unnerved mission control by alerting it to an incoming UFO. Sherrod described a command module and eight smaller modules in front. The pilot of the command module, added Sherrod, is wearing a red suit. After several tense moments, he and Stafford shook a set of sleigh bells and commenced playing jingle bells on the harmonica. We're very sorry to note that after uh, we saw Bob Newhart uh, last year, we talked about how we really wanted to have Tom Poston on the show. Regrettably, that will never take place because the TV legend also passed away a couple of weeks ago. Tom Poston was possibly best known to audiences uh, for his appearance on the Newhart show and and previous to that, uh, his appearances on Mork and Mindy. This correspondent, however, recalls Tom Poston as a, a regular figure on television game shows back in the 1960s. And regrettably, Tom Poston now joins a Kitty Carlisle in that uh, great game show in the sky, another guest we would have dearly loved to have brought to, to you, dear listener. And I'm really sad to report uh, this particular obituary because uh, Gail Murphy, our Hollywood correspondent, assured me a couple of years ago that if we wanted to get Tom Poston, she could deliver him. I I didn't take Gail up on her offer, so the fault is mine. I know that you can still see some of Tom Poston's work along with his fellow uh, game show uh, panelists on, on TV's Game Show Network. Tom Poston won an Emmy back uh, in the late 1950s when he was part of the Steve Allen Show. Steve Allen, who was the first host of The Tonight Show, put together a comedy ensemble that included Tom Poston, Louis Nye, and Don Knotts. Louis Nye played the the smarmy Madison Avenue type Gordon Hathaway, whose hi-ho Steve Arino apparently became a, a buzzword of early television. Don Knotts always played a jittery, bug-eyed, nervous individual who, when asked by Steve Allen if he was nervous, would always respond, No! Poston's man-on-the-street character was, uh, was so unnerved by the television cameras that he couldn't remember his name. He, and in fact, he won his Emmy for playing the man who can't remember his name. And according to TV legend, the bit came about because Poston was auditioning for the role of one of Steve Allen's sidekicks. And when he was asked by the host to identify himself for the home audience, Poston put his hand to his temple and said, Damned if my mind didn't go blank. Allen loved it, apparently thinking it was deliberate, and from then on said, Poston, I was a regular. 
And our final item in today's obituary section, we failed to note the passing of the legendary Hawaiian singer Don Ho, who died April 14th of heart failure at the age of 76. Don Ho was truly a Honolulu legend for decades. Said one tourist, Hawaii was two things back in the 1950s, Pearl Harbor and Don Ho. They uh, held a memorial service for Mr. Ho on the beach at Waikiki last month, and thousands of people turned out for it. And I'm extremely pleased to note that in the late 1980s, I did take my mom and dad and grandma over to the Hawaiian Islands, and yes, we did take in the musical stylings of Mr. Don Ho at his nightclub in Honolulu. And yes, he did sing Tiny Bubbles, which was his signature tune. And I'm not ashamed to say that, uh, you know, you can say what you want about Don Ho. I thought he was great. Tiny And also from the obituary column, perhaps from the political obituary column, comes the fact that uh, George Tennant, former head of the CIA, is now out on a public relations offensive to convince the public that he's not to blame for the debacle in Iraq. George Tennant now admits that the CIA provided flawed intelligence on Saddam's weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> Duh. But he says Dick Cheney, Paul Wolfowitz, and other Bush administration neoconservatives were obsessed with toppling Saddam Hussein and used the WMD merely as a pretext for a war they had already decided to launch. Well, we were telling you that on this program in the fall of 2002, so this is not exactly news. Perhaps you saw Mr. Tennant on uh, John Stewart the other night uh, dodging the question about the uh, slam dunk issue. He tried to make a joke out of it by saying, well, he wasn't, no, he wasn't leaping in the air and he wasn't wearing tennis shoes. But uh, we think his efforts to uh, try and shirk responsibility for the war in Iraq uh, didn't quite work. So why is he speaking up now? Well, USA Today in an editorial speculated that uh, the loyal tenant kept telling his bosses what they wanted to hear, but now is angry at Vice President Dick Cheney. Cheney, you see, publicly quoted Tenet as having assured the White House that the intelligence on Saddam's WMDs was that famous slam dunk. Christopher Hitchens, writing in Slate.com, said, eh, It's a bit late for Tenet, who is a legendary master of Washington kiss-up, to distance himself from the decision-making to invade Iraq. When Secretary of State Colin Powell made his ill-starred presentation about Iraqi WMDs at the United Nations, wasn't that the CIA chief sitting directly behind him, silently vouching for the information and beaming like an overfed cat? Well, the answer to that question is, yes, he was. Juan Cole, writing in Salon.com, noted that of all the questions Tennant raises in his book, one stands out above all. Why didn't he resign? At any juncture, he could have announced that the country was being driven to war on the basis of obvious falsehoods. And doing so possibly could have saved us from this disaster. Instead, noted David Korn in TheNation.com, Tenet sat on the story, accepted the Medal of Freedom from President Bush, and collected a cool $4 million for this book. 
I noted that when he signed off with John Stewart, he had a smirk on his face. I'm sure thinking, well, there goes another $400,000 in book sales. We did a lot of science in today's program, but as uh, in the closing minutes here, I do want to note that you do need, dear listener, to go onto the web and check out this photograph of a ghostly ring of apparently dark matter surrounding a cluster of galaxies. Uh, it's just an amazing photograph. We will have more to say about it, but, uh, you know, it looks, they kept thinking this was an artifact in the distortion that you saw in the light, and now their scientists are convinced, at least some of them are, that this is actually dark matter bending light rays around and giving this very strange, eerie ring look to these distant galaxies. And with two minutes to go, we would like to invite all of you, dear listeners, to check out publicradioquest.com. One word, publicradioquest.com, because on the web, the Public Radio Exchange is conducting a nationwide talent contest. At stake is over $70,000 and a chance to create a new national program for public radio. We here at Radio Parallax are among the 1,400 contestants and hope that you will listen to our clip and give it a rating. We excerpted two minutes of our Walter Cronkite interview from a few years back, and I believe you can find it by noodling around and trying to look up Walter Cronkite interview among the contestants. This is apparently being conducted American Idol style, so yes, the public uh, input is what determines who goes on to round two, and the public would be you, dear listener. Please check this out at publicradioquest.com. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. Our thanks for today's program go to Dr. Jorge Dubkovsky, UC Davis wheat breeder, UCD alumnus, Dr. Caitlin O'Connell, author of The Elephant's Secret Sense, KDVS's own Steve Lambert, with special assistance from Drake Martinet, William Batetta of the Brown vs. Board of Education National Historic Site, and Donna Abadoni from Capital Public Radio. We hope to see you next week at the Rene Montaigne event at the Mondavi. I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. Now, stay tuned for KDVS's musical programming to follow. And on our final note today, we didn't have time to comment on the passing of the Reverend Jerry Falwell. We'll just close today noting that he has moved on to another place. And the A and the M and the N and the A and the T and the I.